It is divisional playoff week, the best week in the NFL season, uh, which means out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by our longtime Sports Zone guest and our annual NFL divisional playoff round guest, the legendary Bob Glober. And uh, Mr. Glober, how we doing? Robert can't be better because we are talking on divisional weekend, always a highlight of the year. And I'm serious. I totally agree with that. You know, I remember during our one-on-one sports days back in the mid-90s, we always talked about this being the best uh, weekend of the NFL season. I think we got a little pushback, at least I did, from some in those days. But now I can't go like seemingly five minutes without hearing somebody on television or a podcast talking about how this is the best, best week of the NFL season. I think we were just ahead of everybody else here. They have co-opted our our, uh, you know, discovery. There's no question. We had it. We had it first. <laughs> no, it, we and did. it really is. A, it's a great weekend because, you know, there's still a lot of football. Four games is, is good. And then it goes down to two and then one for the Super Bowl. It's a great ending to the season. But but this weekend in particular, you got the you got the eight best teams. You, and really, you have four really, to me, really good matchups after a weekend where what you know all but one of the games was was non-competitive so i'm i'm really looking forward to this one i am too so let's get to it uh let's start with saturday the top seeded ravens against the the texans uh lamar jackson he's obviously improved this much has he improved so much that we can set aside his poor postseason history to date i don't think you can ignore the postseason history because it's there it's real it happened and it's been some of his biggest disappointments of his career so far but uh, you know he can he can wipe all that away with a convincing performance on on Saturday tomorrow but I, I tell you the one thing that worries me about Lamar Jackson it's not the season he's had it's not you know what he's capable of doing it's that three-week rest man you know he didn't play in that last game and he had the week off and right the Ravens get that number one seed and it's a coveted uh, accomplishment because you get the rest, but you know, th- th- I think there's some concern there, and I think John Harbaugh even acknowledged it a couple of weeks ago that he's got to really manage his team well during this period of relative football inactivity. So that, to me, is the is the main factor for Lamar Jackson. It's not his skill set; he has absolutely improved, and and I think it's come at a time when they've improved the weapons around him. And he has got a really good receiving cast. Won't have Mark Andrews uh, still still hobbled with that ankle. Maybe next week for Andrews if they make it. But I I think the world of Lamar Jackson. I think this is his time to break out. And he's got a really good cast. And he's got a really good defense, Bob. This is the best defense we've seen since their championship days. Okay, so the Texans. D'Amico Ryans is the rookie head coach. C.J. Stroud's a rookie quarterback. Bobby Slowick is a first-year offensive coordinator. What has impressed you the most uh, about the Texans? Uh, I guess C.J. Stroud's you know, development has been the, the, the key there. there. There's just no question. D'Amico Ryans can be he, – he can be Bill Walsh reincarnated, but if he doesn't have a quarterback who can get it done, um, you're, you're not going to get this far. It's, it's remarkable. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and this was a very similar similar situation to the Jets a few years ago when they had Robert Sala as a defensive, you know, former defensive coordinator in San Francisco. They had the number two draft pick on Zach Wilson, and they hoped to really turn that into, a, you know, a Super Bowl formula, right? 
And you have the exact same thing this year with <laughs> with Houston. And they got to the playoffs, and they're in the second round. And it's just you know a, another example of same old Jets. But I think the point is that C.J. Stroud has been that good. And I think D'Amico Ryans, I'm really happy for him because his reputation coming up as a player and then as a coach was impeccable. And, and to see the results this quickly is, is tremendous. I, I Hats off to them. It's going to be tough being on the road, having that relative inexperience. But, you know, sometimes there's something to be said for, you know, being so young you don't even know what how big this is. Um, but but I do like Baltimore here. But I, I do think it could be a close game, um, particularly in the first half because of that. There's going to be some rust with, with Baltimore. There's just no doubt about it, I, I don't think. Um, but if they can get off to a fast start, then then I think the game could be over quickly. But I do think it'll be pretty close for for at least half the game, and maybe maybe going into that fourth quarter. In fact, I mentioned yesterday on the show that if I were going to wager on this game, which we all know I've been known to wager on some games, uh, but if I were going to wager on this game, it'd be the first half and take the uh, the Texans and the points there. So as opposed to the entire game, oh, we're talking go. NFL oh. d- divisional playoffs with Bob Glauber from. Uh, you know, you know, legendary. Uh, you know, we'll get Still to the, his current Newsday forever. His, yeah, you know? yeah. Okay, and uh, we'll get yeah. to the books thing at the end. I promise I'll get to that. I will we'll definitely do sure. that. Um, on to uh, Niners and Packers. Uh, and what likely is going to be rainy Santa Clara. Uh, what What's your assessment of Brock Purdy, who's by the way a Phoenix uh, area high school product and. Uh, Lots of, uh, especially after that Baltimore game on Monday night, uh, lots of uh, you know different assessments of him over the last few games. Yeah, but I think that that game obviously hurt him, and it hurt him in the MVP race. I think it was probably a dagger for him uh, in in that competition with with Lamar Jackson, if if, if it was a competition. But uh, you know, I think it was a it was a good learning experience for Brock Purdy. I I think a lot of him. I think he is just such a cool operator. Uh, he doesn't get rattled. He did get rattled in that game, just as um, uh, as far as the game went. But I think he's just he's a calm quarterback, which I think is really important. He's very cerebral, and he kind of fits that that mold of what the San Francisco quarterbacks have been traditionally over the years, going back to Joe Montana. So he's got the mind. He's got. I think he's got a good enough arm. He's not. It's not an unbelievable arm. You know, Montana didn't have an unbelievable arm. Uh, so I, I think I think Purdy has it all. Uh, but now, you know, the, the stakes get higher, obviously. And, you know, coming off the injury last year, I think that he can really show a lot here. Um, I know it will be rainy, but I, I don't think that'll be too much of a, of, a, of a factor there. I've been to San Francisco in those rainstorms, and this was a candlestick when the turf was terrible. I mean, they've had some unbelievably bad weather games out there. But, you know, it's a better, it's a better surface, and, and I think Purdy will be – I think he will be up to the challenge here. Jordan Love, 21 touchdowns and one pick in his last nine games. How has he reached this level? Well, I, I really I was thinking about this earlier in the week. You know, the the Packers have had the benefit of time on their on their hands with quarterback development, and it's it's an art form because you know they had you know, Brett Favre had a couple of years um, before he kind of was was asked to emerge as the guy. Right, and then you go to Aaron Rodgers. He had four years, and uh, Love has close to that, sitting and developing behind a star player. And there, you can't underestimate that. And so, so Love comes in. It was a 
uneven start to the season for him, but he has gotten markedly better. I think he's just gotten more comfortable with the system. And uh, you, you can tell he, he is just a very comfortable quarterback. And I don't think there's any magic to it, Bob. I think you just watch his progression during these games. He's getting enough time, and he just goes through one, two, three, four if he has to. And then, boom, he's going to the open guy. And that's the beauty of that West Coast offense. When you can kind of have the time and you make good decisions, you can have good success. So kind of two similar systems here at, at each other. Uh, in the same game. And and listen, I I don't think you discount love here just because, you know, again, they're on the road, but they were on the road in Dallas and they, and they thumped the Cowboys and and love. It was a coming out party for him. So uh, this is a real good improving quarterback who is hot at the right time. Okay. So once again, we have a nine and a half point favor in this game too. Uh, Do you like a pick against the spread in this game? Do the Packers challenge basically is the bottom line here. All right, Bob, I see what you're doing here. I would take the 49ers to win and the Packers to cover. How's that? Okay, that sounds <laughs> If it's that nine and fair. a half, that's, a, that's yeah. a big number, man. That's a big number. You can it tell is, I don't bet, but... Bob, because I, I, I don't realize that. But, no, it, to me it's a big number because, I mean, especially if weather's going to be a factor, I, I mean, it's almost dismissing what, what the Packers did last week in Dallas against a team that had been unbelievable at home. So I, I, I do think San Francisco has the edge. I think the rest absolutely benefits them more than it does for Baltimore, say, because, you know, McCaffrey has been dinged up. Purdy get, get a chance to gather himself, and practice is very, very important for those West Coast teams, and they've had the benefit of it. So I, I, I do like um, the 49ers, but, you know, to win by 10, okay, but I, I think it'll be a little closer than that. Okay, the Lions at home again this week. What's impressed you the most about the Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell roster construction and execution of that roster in Detroit? Yeah. I love what they've done uh, in Detroit, Bob. And I got to tell you, you know, when Campbell goes up there and says he's going to bite off some kneecaps and you think, <laughs> man, is this sluggo going to really, like, really? And, you know, I'd heard good things. I covered Dan Campbell when he was a tight end with the Giants. Very smart, very mature. He was there when Jeremy Shockey was just a kid, and he was wild. And, you know, um, Campbell kind of kind of settled him down a little bit, and he was almost a spokesman uh, for Jeremy Shockey. And, and, you know, you watch his development as a player and then as a coach. He, he always had a good reputation in in the coaching ranks. But then when he got there, he kind of – kind of gets this, you know, Neanderthal approach to it. I'm like, oh, how's this going to work? But I love it. I, I think it's a turning point for coaching in the NFL. When you can get prominent players to, to do what Dan Campbell has done, I think it opens up the door. Now you see Antonio Pierce likely to be named the Raiders coach, likely. I'll leave a little wiggle room there. But, I, you know, I think it's really good when players – can kind of translate their skill set into really good coaching. And and Holmes has given Dan Campbell the resources. I think they've really turned Jared Goff into a more confident quarterback. And, you know, I, I don't know that the Rams truly believed um, in, in Jared Goff. It's pretty obvious they didn't fully because they made the trade um, a couple of years ago. So this is really good for Jared Goff. And I think making the, the pass, passing – the, the ball and completing a pass to ice the game last week for Jared Goff was a really big mm-hmm. step. Remember, he completed that pass, 
They get to run out the clock, and he raised his arms before the game is over. You knew that was a mm-hmm. that was a turning point in that young man's mind, and that's a really good thing. Okay, so who wins uh, Sunday in Detroit? Well, I, I I do like the the Lions in this one. I think the Bucks had their day um, last week, and, and I, I do think it'll be Detroit. And I think pretty pretty handily if uh, someone were to uh, look at at that kind of thing. Okay, I know somebody that might be doing that. Uh, Todd Bowles, <laughs> you know him too. I know him from his Cardinals DC days here. You know him from the Jets head coach days. We know he's going to blitz. How do you think he's changed as a head coach in Tampa compared to the days with the Jets? Well, I think the Jets' experience was good for Todd Bowles. You know, Todd Bowles didn't flinch. He was in New York. It was not easy. Um, remember, uh, one of his one of his early seasons, Geno Smith punched out a teammate or got punched out by a teammate. And so, so Todd Bowles was without his starting quarterback. Well, what does he do? Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, saves the day. They get to win in a game of the playoffs. You know, Bowles, we, we talked about being calm, and Brock Purdy, it's good, it's good for a coach to be calm. Sometimes Bowles is accused of being too calm. And I go back to, I go back to Todd Bowles when he was a player, Bob. He was with mm-hmm. Washington, and I think they, he was with the team that won the 87 Super Bowl uh, when Doug Williams won it. So, you know, Bowles, I've, I've watched his progression. He has been a guy who has kind of paid his dues. And I think having the experience in New York was good for him. It's a much less intense market in Tampa. And, you know, he's had the benefit of having a pretty good team given to him. But, look, what he did this year, um, you know, without Tom Brady was really good. You know, he, he Baker Mayfield's got a chance to now make a ton of money, probably in Tampa, based off of this year. And I think a lot of it had to do with kind of the environment that Todd Bowles created. Okay, Kansas City and Buffalo, this time in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs, the de- the dominant unit has become the defense. Is it too late mm-hmm. for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to flip the offensive switch for this season? Well, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say that because I am a true believer in Patrick Mahomes, and who isn't? I mean, the guy's a Hall of Fame quarterback. We're watching his career unfold. It's just great to watch. I, I just love – and every time I watch that guy, I'm like, okay, Bob, you're watching the best of the best. Enjoy it. Enjoy every step of the way because these guys don't come around very often. But I think, that, you know, he is such a winner. He's such a competitor. You saw, like, in the run last week where a piece of his helmet flew off. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. is willing to do whatever it takes to win a football game. So I think that, um, look, they did not have Kadarius Tony in the lineup, and I think that was a good thing last week. He he has created these mistake prone situations where I, I I hope I hope that continues that he's that he's not in there because I I just don't trust him and I think that I I think Patrick Mahomes doesn't trust him either but you know Kelsey's still at the top of his game even though he has had some bad games including some parts of last week's game but I I, I believe in the Chiefs still um, I don't know I picked the Chiefs and 49ers to play in a Super Bowl so I got I got I you know they're still alive so I'm going to stay with that but I but I do believe they can pull the upset here it's Patrick Mahomes's first road playoff game besides the Super mm-hmm. Bowl in in his life um but you mentioned the defense this defense with Steve Spagnolo Steve Spagnolo as the coordinator <laughs> these guys Tony Tony Romo makes more money than God 
and he calls him Spagnola. I mean, cut yeah. it out. It's Steve Spagnolo. He is a wonderful coordinator, covered him with the Giants when they won the 2007 Super Bowl over Tom Brady, and, and that Super Bowl was, run, was won largely on what the Giants' defense did against Tom Brady, and Spagnolo has done similar magic with a very young uh, Chiefs defense, and it has been pretty remarkable, and it looks like that, that defense is going to stay good uh, for a long time to come. I don't know if they have Chris Jones for that long period of time, but uh, you've got to ride it while you can. Okay, one quick question on Buffalo. Obviously, Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator, and the offense has changed. What has what most changed to you with Brady as the coordinator? I think he has given uh, Josh Allen a little bit more. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't put him in situations where Josh Allen is making those big mistakes, particularly in the red zone. Josh Allen was a, was a turnover machine in the red zone. Um, when when Ken Dorsey was in there as, as the coordinator, and it was really unfortunate. Um, when Brian Dable left to go coach the Giants last year, uh, that that's marked a significant change for Josh Allen. I don't think he reacted well, and I think that you know Dable really did a lot to kind of contain the the downside of of Josh Allen, just limit those big mistakes, and you don't see them as much anymore. There will be some because this guy is a gambler. I mean, he's, he, he's a big guy who plays big, and he goes for it all sometimes, sometimes to his detriment. He's done a much better job since the offensive coordinator changed. There's no question about it. Okay, so who wins Sunday night in Buffalo? I'm going to take the Chiefs in a bit of a what, – what's the spread, Bob? It's like two and a half. I mean, this is for the most part. This is the only game where it's not the, so almost a few. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo's okay, favorite so by that, two and a half. That means that means two and a half means it is even, except they're giving a little bit to to Kansas City there because a totally even game is is the home team by three. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like I do like the Chiefs to to just find a way, and you know Buffalo. Look, they've been very hot lately. Extreme, the, the hottest team in football. But before they got on that streak, they were kind of wobbling a little bit, and they they were looking at themselves and saying, "Hey, you know w- what's happening here? They've got some injuries at the receiver position, and um, that that could be a factor here as well." Uh, so I I'm going to take Kansas City in, in the slight upset here. Okay, Bob, you have a new book coming out or is out now? The Forgotten First. I yep. assume that. I, okay, I assume that's not the Puka Nakua story. So, so what's the what's the book about, and uh, how can no, people you, get a hold of it? Well, you know, Bob, I wrote this book. I collaborated with Keyshawn Johnson. You've heard of him, and uh-huh. I, I'll give you a. a <laughs> he's a good dude, man. I'm telling you, great, great partner. <laughs> but I'll give you the quiz. Okay, Bob, who was the first black baseball player in in modern Major League Baseball history? Jackie Robinson. Okay. Who was the first black player to sign in a what had been a segregated NFL a year before Jackie Robinson signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers? That I'm not sure. Okay. There you go. So it was yeah. a guy, Kenny Washington. Kenny Washington signed with the Los Angeles Rams in 46. Played. And he played with Jackie Robinson, right, in college? And he played at UCLA with Jackie Robinson yeah. and a guy named yeah. Woody Strode, who was a great receiver. 
and Woody and Kenny played on that 1946 Rams team to break the color barrier in the NFL. The same year, uh, Bill Willis and Marion Motley joined Paul Brown's Cleveland Browns yeah. in their first year in the All-America Football Conference, two Hall of Fame players, and that integrated the All-America Football Conference. And, you know, the book is titled The Forgotten First, and it is aptly titled because nobody remembers these guys. But these were the Jackie Robinsons of pro football. And it was a fascinating look at, at what the league was like um, back then and, and what, what it has become. And those four guys are kind of lost to history. Um, so it was, it was a pretty pretty interesting topic to dive into. And Keyshawn, you know, I gave him that quiz too. And he didn't know, right? And, and you know, those guys played on the same field that Keyshawn played on at, US, at, UC, at USC. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a pretty eye-opening thing. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good story in the end. Those guys broke a color barrier that has never, you know, it, it has only gotten more integrated over time. And, you know, the best of the best uh, now playing the NFL doesn't matter what, what you look like, but it did back then. Good deal. Bob, this is always one of my favorite segments of the year, maybe my favorite segment of the year. Uh, so oh, thanks much. And, and uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, this has been great. So always appreciate it. And always look forward to this week for a variety of reasons, including our conversation. And, Bob, I hope you cap it off with a little uh, little extra change in your pocket. That's That's the goal. <laughs> There you go. We'll see how this goes. (laughs) Thank you much. All right, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you, man. Take care. You too. Bob Glover, back in the day, uh, did many segments with Bob in our 101 Sports Days and Sporting News Radio and uh, the annual segment uh, with the NFL Divisional Playoffs.